Hey, uh, this is Kurt Oriel from CMB Realty. I'm sitting here with uh, Meta Basikinsi, and we just wanted to give you um, guys some advice on how to sell your apartment. Uh, if you're a homeowner in New York, we're going to break it down into a few questions. You know, how to how to bring it to the market, how to list it, how to choose a broker, what style hours would be within within uh, the range of, of options, and and what really to do in today's market. Uh, so the first question is, you know. Should you list it with a broker or can you take it to market yourself, uh, Mete? Um, well, I mean, I would say definitely list it with somebody. Today, the information is available. Yes, sellers can look up or buyers can look up what the comps sold for in the same building. If I'm in 5E, how much did 7E sold sell for? And it was whether it was the same apartment, all that information is available, correct. So can the sellers do it themselves? Why pay a broker, you know, fifty, hundred, uh, you know, three hundred thousand commission when I can do it myself? It's like anything else. I mean, you can buy a book and say the book says how to become a tennis pro. You can read the book. At the end of it, are you a tennis pro? My guess is not. I mean, you you can read and get information about anything. Uh, but there, you know, again, going back to tennis, there are only two shots: backhand, forehand, and the serve. It seems rather simple, but the pros they give it their own spin. So the, the brokerage is the same. I mean, just because you can get the information, I would not advise it. Doesn't mean you can do it. You don't have the time, probably. Some people say, "I'm not working. I have the time." You still don't have the time. You'll scare the buyers away. Buyers does, do not want to come in there with a seller standing over them. And then, you know, the seller opens every closet. They think that's the important part. You're way off. I mean, I would advise definitely don't do it and choose a broker. Once you've decided to list with a professional that's done this several times, several hundred times, uh, what would be the criteria, I guess, or, or advice or guidance on how to choose the right professional that will fit your needs? I think it's like anything else, um, uh, to choosing a professional. You have to go with your feeling, you have to interview them, you have to physically meet them and go with the one that you feel most comfortable with. Um, that's probably the right one for you. A lot of times the question comes up whether I should go with a big company, small company, medium company. First criteria is probably go with the one you feel comfortable with and then as far as the companies, um, we all belong to Revenue, Real Estate Board of New York. So any listing has to be co-broke within 72 hours. So whether you give it to a big company, small company, everybody puts it into the database and then all the brokers get to share it, they, everybody shows it, which, just, which, is, which is the correct thing, doing justice to the property, give it the maximum, absolute maximum exposure. <coughs> uh, but the most important is the individual broker that's working for you. And, uh, but it's also very important that you choose somebody that fits your style, I mean, a good broker that has done great work for your friend may not work for you. That's really the angle. I mean, people get along for, people bond for different reasons. So it's very important that this person doesn't annoy you because what you're going to go through is, can be stressful. It's a lot of money at stake. 
it's probably your single biggest asset. You have to trust, trust them. But uh, more importantly, the, the style has to work for you. You know, you may like a broker that takes you out to lunch every now and again. Or you may like somebody who just calls and is very to the point, tells you everything within th two minutes and gets off the phone. Or it could be, you know, uh, you like to meet with them and you like to discuss everything or you like to see graphs and what's going on stay in the really market. Stay really informed. And yes, stay really informed. Uh, it depends. So it's important that you choose somebody that uh, works for you, that works with your style and will get you the maximum dollars. The dollars obviously are very important because every time the broker blinks, it could be a hundred thousand more or less in your pocket. You know, the other side is making offers. It's very important that your broker stays firm and creates that image that we're in no hurry to sell. Uh, we don't have to sell. And that, if that's your best offer, we're not going to go with you. I mean, those, it's very, those little nuances are very important. The, the attitude, the, the tone, it's very important how the exclusive broker sets the tone. How professional they are um, so sorry to cut you off so for example in, in setting the tone of I guess really call it like the poker face in a negotiation and for to pick a metaphor how would you set a tone uh, when trying to initiate a negotiation when a, a buyer representative comes to your listing as as the as the seller's broker Depends on how good your offer is. If your offer is very low and we're not going anywhere with it, I'm going to set the tone by not getting back to you so fast. Or another way to set the tone is I will tell you on the phone, by the way, you're not going anywhere with this. We're not going to respond. But, you know, you being very concise and, and, yeah, and direct. Yeah. Also, like you said, the, the power of saying Less no. Less is more. The power of saying almost nothing for a certain amount of times might drive people crazy but that really sets like you said the tone and if somebody keeps you know pestering you with different numbers going up and down it's they're just losing more force while we're gaining more force right and if we're asking 5.2 million and you're coming in at 3.9 I'm going to tell you on the phone this is not going anywhere we're not going to respond and then you come back with 3.950 I'm not getting back to you I mean I've done two different things but you know it sets the tone yeah, so we also, need to come to four nine or five two or if i'm telling you you need to come to uh, selling price asking price as close as possible that's what you really need to do i mean setting the tone is very important and then being firm is very important and being very straightforward i think is very important yeah instead of beating around the bush just get to it and let everybody get on with their business. Yeah, some people don't, I guess, don't get it. Even if it, it doesn't have to be a price issue, it may mean like they're trying to bring you a buyer with a mortgage contingency and they've called, they've called us four times repeating different things, 20-day commitment, 15-day uh, right. commitment, mortgage contingency this, oh, he's got a bank, this and that. And it's just so pointless that, like you said, it's just constant beating around the bush and we're just, what we like to do, or at least what we try to do and, and have done a good amount is sift through all the, uh, I guess, BS is what you could call it, or some people could call it, um, yeah. and try and just really get to the point of, of whether the transaction is going gonna, is gonna to go or evaluate which direction we can take it to make it into a deal. 
I mean, it happened recently on one of my listings. We have a, We had a buyer. I just put it on the market. She. I mean, I was. I. I went down for a showing, and she showed out of the blue. She must live in the neighborhood. She loved it, loved it, loved it. She said, "I'm going to make a sale a offer," but then I could tell that you know she was a little off. Uh, before she made the offer, she said, "Can you get rid of the beeping in the elevator on my floor?" I mean, the answer is no. She then said, "Can you build a private chute so I don't have to go down to the basement to uh, you know to empty my garbage?" Can, you, can I build a chute? I'll pay for it. Again, these are kind of issues, and the answer is no. I did check, but I knew what the... So I was very firm with her. She kept coming back, she kept coming back, and I would just give her my short answers. No, I mean, I can't do this. Uh, in the meantime, she went, the, another apartment came on the market, one floor above us. She went to them for half a million less, a little bit smaller, and uh, you know, then it, I heard through the grapevine she was buying upstairs. I said, she's not buying anything. You know, the, the, up there, they're not telling her straight answers. They're beating around the bush and uh, she's not buying anything. Sure enough, a month and a half later, nothing happened. They yesed her to death, but in the end, nothing happened. She didn't buy anything. And she called me again about the same issues. And I said, I answered you a month and a half ago. I mean, it just saves you so much aggravation for everybody. Yeah, I guess a lot of people or, or uh, I guess bad brokers will just have this sense of false hope that just because they're answering these rudimentary questions that it's going to somehow turn into a real deal. Yeah, they think yesing people to death or not answering is going to work. It's not going to work because sooner or later you're going to see it on paper or whatever. The lawyer is going to get involved. I. I leave as little work as possible to the lawyers. In fact, no work other than the contracts. I, I negotiate everything myself. This way, everybody's on the same page. We've agreed to this, we haven't agreed to that. And I don't let the lawyers negotiate anything, especially like a mortgage contingency or, or anything else. Give it to me in writing. Your offer is 6.2 million, all cash, 60 day closing. That's it, as is where it is. I mean, Otherwise, it goes on for months and nobody gets anything, especially in today's market where buyers are, buyers are just looking constantly for other angles to beat you up because it is a buyer's market. Yeah. But you have to do that in any market. In today's market, um, what's the best way to go around this if you do need to sell because you're moving out of the city or you want a bigger apartment or you just, I mean, what, how can you take advantage of this market? As a seller, it does seem hard, but I think there are some strategies maybe that we could advise on. Uh, it depends on the market. I, I set the price as high as I can, but in today's market, the pricing strategy is completely different because of the buyer's market. Today, we set it low and we've done very well by setting it lower and going for the bidding wars and putting more money in the seller's pocket. today. Setting it high does not work. You're best off to set it low or lower and invite bidding wars. That, that has worked very well for us in the past few months. So depends on the market. You always have to adapt and pricing strategy is very important. In a, a strong market, you can set the price high. In two, three months, the market will catch up. But 
Those days are not today. Right. So today would be the time to to sell or not to sell? I mean, what would you do in today's market then? If you In today's market, uh, I mean, you would only sell if you have to. At the lower bracket, between one to three million, you may do okay as a seller because the, that market is still fairly strong as a seller's market. But anything above that, you would only sell if you had to. Other than that, it's a great time to sell, to make a move. If you have a few more bucks, and you, you can upgrade, then you're not going to do great on the sale, <coughs> but you'll do very well on the purchase. Uh, whereas if you're thinking of upgrading in a strong seller's market, that's very hard to do because uh, by the time you, you turn around and buy something for four and a half, the property that was for four and a half is either sold or it's five two. And now you've sold yours and you're trying to replace it. It's just too hard to do. It's a lot easier to upgrade in today's market than it would be in a strong seller's market. Yeah, basically trying to buy on the downtrend instead of getting caught on the uptrend and not have anywhere to put your money. Well, also in a strong seller's market, there's not a lot of inventory. There are constant bidding wars and things are just getting scooped up left and right. And a lot of people miss the market. And another good thing about upgrading today is you're selling first, so you have a say whether you're going to sell or not before you commit to the purchase. In a strong market, it's the other way around. You've sold, and if you can't replace it, it's not good. Right. 